Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Okay, lots of quarterback news to talk about in the NFL since we last spoke. Happy Friday to you, Carson Wentz is now a member of the Washington Commanders. He was traded from the Indianapolis Colts. This wasn't a big deal in terms of draft pick compensation, Steve Bursnick, but the surprising thing to me was how the Colts were able to get Washington to take his entire contract. Yeah, essentially they what they gave up a third-round draft pick next year mm-hmm. that could become a second if he plays 70% of the snaps. Otherwise, they what swap some second-round picks, one this year for one next year, I think, or something like that. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, yeah, really, it's a salary dump for Indianapolis, and Washington gets an upgrade at their quarterback position. Now, we knew that Wentz, you know, was not going to be long for Indianapolis. I think they made that clear. They were so disappointed. Um, they did not make any bones about it, the, the way they finished the season. I mean, this team, uh, for a while there, was on a bit of a roll. Jonathan Taylor uh, was a you know, MVP candidate. They needed to beat Jacksonville in Jacksonville in the final game of the season to make the postseason, and they didn't do it. And Carson Wentz did not play well, to say the least. If you just looked at his raw numbers, I mean, he had a good year. You know, mm-hmm. uh, his touchdown interception ratio was three to one, which is really, really good, um, and uh, damn near four to one actually. And so, just on on paper, you think, yeah, you know, he's a serviceable quarterback, more than serviceable quarterback by comparison, but. When they needed him to make plays, he didn't make them. And if anyone is going to give up on Carson Wentz, if Frank Reich is going to give up on Carson Wentz, then it's buyer beware. But I just think, you know, Washington, the story was, had literally called every team in the NFL asking for every quarterback, including, you know, Patrick Mahomes with the Chiefs. <laughs> anyway, you guys want to trade Patrick Mahomes? We'd be willing to give up a lot for him. Hey, you, you um, make the call. You never know what they'll say. <laughs> they can only say no, right? I mean, that's that's the old thing, you know. Like, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask the prettiest girl in in the school out. You know, what what could she say? Well, she she might say yes, but if you don't ask, you'll never know. Um, and so they they were going to upgrade. I mean, I think Ron Rivera understands that you know he he's not going to win a lot of games with Taylor Heineke, who is a very serviceable backup. Um, they have some good pieces on defense. We'll see. Right, he's back in the NFC East now. He's going to play Philadelphia twice. Those won't be easy games for him from a an emotional standpoint. He also goes to Indianapolis this year, and he goes to Indianapolis. Yeah, so both of his former teams. This is his third team in three years. I mean, this is not really. I think after this, if he doesn't prove himself to be a winning starting quarterback again, then I think he'll be in that realm of backups like Mitch Trubisky and others. But for right now, you know, this was a guy that. The Bucks had looked at, the Bucks studied, and I think basically decided that not that they crossed him off the list, but they didn't see him as a big upgrade over what they had. And what they have is Kyle Trask, who hasn't played, and Blaine Gabbert, who really hasn't played in about eight years. And so they would, I think, and Blaine is a free agent, I think they would rather go with that combination and then bring in 
another free agent to compete with those guys, or actually two more because you're going to have four going into camp, um, than to give up draft pick compensation and take on Carson Wentz's, what, $25, $28 million, whatever it is, for his, for his contract. So um, they were sort of a no on the side. They were on the sidelines on Carson Wentz. But it's one more quarterback who is, you know, was sort of trade eligible, if you will, um, that is off the list. And that's the thing. Like, this was never going to be a great year uh, for free agents. And so teams were looking at these quarterbacks that might become available. There's still some more that could possibly become available. Um, but, you know, when, when you take Aaron Rodgers out of the equation, he goes back to Green Bay for an enormous contract, right? I mean, she's four years, $200 million, what, 156 guaranteed or something like that. Um, and so he's probably going to finish his career with the Packers. And then, you know, Russell Wilson goes to the Denver Broncos for just a pile of draft picks, although not really as much as the San Francisco 49ers did to, you know, to move up to get Trey Lance. I mean, they gave up three number ones, I think, in a two. Well, there was three players unproved. that went to Seattle, too, in the deal. And three players, yeah, three proven I mean, one, players. So one they was got, Drew Locke, Noah Fant, yeah. and then the, the defensive end, too. Yeah, Noah Fant is good, um, but they got some proven commodities back. Now, the word is that Seattle is not done at the quarterback position. Drew Locke is not necessarily their answer. They apparently are more than nosing around and involved somehow in – being interested in Deshaun Watson. And Deshaun Watson, a grand jury, I think, is going to decide by today whether or not uh, to uh, you know, press formal, formal charges against him. He's had 10 criminal complaints that a grand jury is considering. He's also pled the fifth this, this week uh, during depositions for those, uh, what was it, 22 other cases, civil cases, and Rusty Harden wasn't going to let him uh, testify about anything because it would be used, could potentially be used as evidence against them in the grand jury situation. So there are teams, uh, and I think the Bucks would be one of them. I don't know at what level because, again, I don't know that the owners have said, no, he's a, he's a no, don't even pursue it. I don't know if we're at that level yet. Um, I'm sure they're checking into his situation. If, if, there's a, if those criminal charges don't appear, if, if there is no indictment against him, um, if, if he somehow settles these other cases civilly, um, I'm not saying there wouldn't be some, you know, punishment by the NFL. There, there, there could be under the personal conduct policy, but I think those are hurdles that have to be cleared for a lot of teams before they're going to give up draft pick compensation and a lot of it, and then take on some thirty-something million dollars a year for Deshaun Watson. But Deshaun Watson is sort of like that last, you know, guy you can trade for. Obviously, Jimmy Garoppolo. The market is heating up for him. It looks to me like Indianapolis might be in, in that mix. Um, they might also be in the mix, I guess, what, if Minnesota um, trades uh, Kirk Cousins. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that might be another guy that, that, uh, that falls out. And I don't know where the Bucks stand on Kirk Cousins. I don't know if he's one of the eight that Bruce Arians talks about or not. And then you go to the free agent market. You, you know, for the Bucks, you start with Blaine Gabbert because of the familiarity and um, how he would come in here and, and, and get a chance to compete with Kyle Trask to, to win the starting job. Um, you remove him, you're looking at guys, really the top two guys, to be honest with you, or maybe top three, are Jameis Winston, Mitch Trubisky, and I guess Teddy Bridgewater. And, and I, would, I would suspect that probably Bridgewater, but one of those guys are you know, going to gain the attention of the Bucks because there's no draft pick compensation. You can bring him in here to compete, um, see if he can 
you know, play better than Blaine Gabbard or whoever else or Kyle Trask, whoever else you have in here. I really think that's what they're going to end up with if the Deshaun Watson thing doesn't turn out in their favor. I, I still believe, in fact, I know that the coaching staff really uh, would like to see that happen. Um, they're, they're looking into a situation. The ownership has to be comfortable with it. There's just a lot of hurdles, and I think this thing is going to drag on almost to the draft. But what happens in the grand jury will be big. If he's criminally indicted, I think it's going to be difficult for any team to make a deal. Um, if you made a deal, it'd have to be a conditional this or that because how do you know how many games this guy's going to play? He could be suspended for another year, especially if he if he were found guilty of something. So I I think we're getting close to a little bit more knowledge on on where the whole Deshaun Watson thing. But there are multiple teams, according to the reports I've read on Pro Football Talk and others, um, that have inquired about Deshaun. And apparently Seattle, that might have been their plan. You know, people can't figure out, like, you, you lose – you cut Bobby Wagner, um, you let Russell Wilson go, you, you get a couple players back and a whole bunch of draft picks, but nobody knows what you're doing at the quarterback position. Maybe that was their plan. Um, may, maybe their plan is Deshaun Watson uh, or Kirk Cousins, and we'll see that materialize over the next few weeks. But it sure is looking to me, and we've been saying this for a while, it sure looks to me like the Bucks are not going to give up a ton of draft pick compensation for some of these quarterbacks that they would have had to do. And We're going to find out what Kyle Trask is all about. We're going to find out if they were right about him. We're going to find out how much, how far he came in in, in this red shirt season that he had out there, you know, running scout team, um, working out a half hour before practice every day, sometimes staying late, changing his body. He's going to get a chance to compete. I mean, they really want to see this guy, um, you know, in action. The problem is you only have three preseason games, not four. I'm sure they'll probably have, you know, another two or three practices, uh, joint practices with a team like they did with the Titans a year ago. They'll get plenty of reps doing that. And then, of course, there's always maybe Tom Brady comes back because the door will be open if he wants to here in Tampa Bay. I don't think they're going to get a quarterback uh, that would preclude them based on the compensation they gave up, unless it's Deshaun Watson. I don't think they're going to get a quarterback uh, wherein they wouldn't say, yeah, Tom, your your seat is still here. You know, the light... The light is still on for you, and that light is still burning and and probably will be burning throughout the season if he uh, decides not to play and he is really retired. So that's where we're at with the Bucks quarterback situation uh, this weekend. I'm sure that Mike Greenberg, the Bucks uh, capologist and uh, what is he, director of football operations or vice president of football operations, is busy trying to create salary cap room. I still expect, I don't know why, but I still expect that Chris Godwin is going to get a long-term deal before we get to Wednesday's 4 p.m. deadline when the cap, when the new league year begins. I still think that's a real good possibility. Uh, He has an opportunity to talk to other teams as well if they get past Monday. So really, you'd like to get a deal done for him uh, by Monday so that he doesn't have a chance to talk to other teams. You know, we saw the deal for, was it Mike Williams just did a deal, I think, for some nearly $20 million a year, I want to say. Um, and so that's something that will probably go in, in Godwin's favor if he's negotiating off of that. Now, Godwin has a torn ACL, MCL, so that's certainly a factor in any, any talks he has with any team, including the Bucks. but the Bucks certainly want them. They, they franchise them, so, you know, he, he doesn't have a chance really to, uh, to get out there, um, unless it's a, you know, he's not exclusive rights, so, so you can talk to teams that would require a bunch of number one draft picks that virtually, you know, kicks him out of free agency but if they can get his deal done if they get a long long-term deal with him 
that certainly helps them from a salary cap standpoint because they don't want 19.2. They don't even have 19.2 falling on their salary cap. So they'll be talking to guys like Shaq Barrett, who has a big number this year that just did a long-term contract a year ago. Uh, they'll be talking to Villavea, who did one during the season, who has a big salary cap number this year. Uh, they'll be talking to, I would imagine, still Mike Evans, who has renegotiated his deal several times. And what they'll do is you know, they'll turn sort of what their base salary is. Let's say you have a $15 million base salary, and I'm just guessing right now if you're, if you're Shaq Barrett or somebody like that, and you know, they would turn that into you know, $13 million bonus and a $2 million base salary, and you would save several million dollars off the salary cap because they'd amortize that $13 million over the remainder of your, you know, of your contract. So they're gonna, they have to create room by doing that. They have to find ways um, so that they can re-sign guys like Ryan Jensen or Alex Kappa or, Ryan, or, or you know, Aaron Stinney, um, you know, Jordan Whitehead. You can go down the line. I, mean, I think there's probably about five or six guys they'd like to have back at minimum, uh, including Blaine Gabbert. You know, and you can structure a contract with Gabbard based on, you know, so much base salary, two, three million is what he got as a backup. But then you can structure it so that every start he makes or every win or if he takes him to the playoffs, um, you can you can have performance bonuses where he'll be paid like a starter if he indeed is a starter and and continues to win for them. So there's creative ways you can you can uh, craft those contracts. But I think, you know, the biggest thing is they're going to try to re-sign their own guys. I think I said the other day, I was looking at SI and the Athletic and four of the top 16 free agents listed were all Buccaneer players. So it begins right here. It begins on trying to keep the core of that Super Bowl team together. They, they were able to do it a year ago with all 22 starters. That's not going to happen now. Um, but they could get the bulk of it together. I think six of their Pro Bowl players are back. Um, they've obviously lost Ali Marpet. They've lost Tom Brady, at least for the moment. So there's still a, a pretty good core of players. We get a couple of their own free agents back and then add to it through the draft, maybe through free agency. Um, you know, they, they have to address the running back position. There might be some some pieces they pick up. I saw the other day where Leonard Fournette basically said in, in, in so many words, he didn't say it succinctly, but he basically said, hey, it's been great here in Tampa Bay. I mean, uh, I don't know what prompted that um, post on Instagram necessarily, by Leonard Fournette, but it it sounded like he feel, he feels like he might be moving on, and we'll see. Well, I, I mean, would I've guess seen... they've had conversations with Leonard, and he's not. Yeah, e- either the, the Bucks don't want him back, or what they're willing to pay isn't what he's willing to play. What he's for. looking for, yeah, yeah. I I would think the value they're they're at such a disagreement with the value that he feels he'll certainly uh, mm-hmm. do better than that, and his agent would know it mm-hmm. because all those talks, you know. Believe it or not, when they're not supposed to be tampering, they all take place in Indianapolis at the combine. So, what? Yeah, You're kidding me? No. Yeah, that's why you know I always I always think it's interesting. It's like they used to have what they you know the legal tampering period, um, and it used to be illegal tampering period. I mean, it, teams could would talk to each other, and then they didn't <laughs> they didn't call it that. It didn't have a name, but it was happening. And then the new league year would start, and you go, okay, now teams can talk to other people's free agents. And within minutes, you'd have Adam Schefter going, "Where are my sources? We had big shining here in this day. And, and like within, with the, he'd do it for an hour. It's like, wait a minute, how did they know how to strike a deal so quickly? You know, um, but now they're like, look, they're talking, so we'll just give them three days where they can agree to a deal starting Monday. But then um, you actually can't 
sign a deal until Wednesday at 4 o'clock when the new league year begins. But really, Monday is the day when all the Bucks free agents are going to essentially hit the market, all of them, and with the exception of Chris Godwin. And so, you know, you could see, you know, Ryan Jensen signing with the Jacksonville Jaguars or agreeing to a, agreeing to a deal on Monday. You could see, you know, Alex Kappa going someplace or, you know, uh, Jordan Whitehead or even Gronkowski maybe. We don't know what the resolution is on Rob Gronkowski. We're waiting to see if he's going to play. I don't think he's going to announce anything because he doesn't have to. Um, but, you know, somebody could sign him or agree to a deal with him as soon as Monday. So we're we're in a, it's going to be an important weekend, a, a busy first part of the week for sure, and then by 4 o'clock on Wednesday, all hell's going to break loose. And you're going to see a lot of big names, including Buccaneers players, either re-sign here or go someplace else. I think they've got quite a few players that other teams are going to be interested in, and um, and we're going to see if they can get them back or not. All right, so uh, any developments in uh, in the Major League Baseball? It looked like maybe they were – First, first they looked like they were going to get a deal, and then the Major League Baseball started talking about an international draft. And then now, as we do this uh, podcast and tape it on Thursday, um, maybe they'll be able to hammer something out and preserve a 162-game season? So we're taping this Thursday midday. Mm-hmm. And Wednesday evening, baseball removed from the schedule another week of games. Mm-hmm. Notice it did not say canceled. Mm-hmm. It is removed from schedule. Now, they're, they're hopeful if a deal could get done today, 162 games could be played still. They said that yesterday as well, and then they removed a week of games from the schedule. Um, so the two sides continue to talk. Uh, seems like progress is being made, but I don't know if we're there yet to where a deal is going to get done. But as of now, the first two weeks of the season have been removed from the schedule. Okay. And that's, I think, the first week the Rays were on the road for two series, and the mm-hmm. second week, I believe, so that's the home opener home. for the Rays, yep. Yeah, the Baltimore and then the A's, I want to say, uh, were supposed to be in town. Um, we'll figure that out. But, yep. uh, look, they got to get this done. This, this Baseball is in quite a predicament, and there's just such distrust, and this is why, you know, they kind of spring the international draft on the players there um, sort of late in the game, but... Uh, I really, I really hope they get this behind them. It's fans don't like it, players don't like it. Obviously, the owners certainly don't like it. But lockouts are always tough, and we we need baseball, man. We need it. We got March Madness coming up over the weekend. I'm going to be at the SEC tournament at Emily Arena. I don't know how that happened, but I'm going to be doing that. Maybe the Gators will make a run. Uh, as we again, it could be too late. They're they're playing as we do this podcast at noon, so it could be over for them. Um, but, yeah, lots going on this weekend. So we've got some more of your mailback questions, some questions about baseball and the mm-hmm. Bucks. So let's, let's finish those up for the week. Well, we'll start with Jason, who asked, Why the optimism on getting a long-term deal done with Chris Godwin now when they've had two years to do it and couldn't? And also on the franchise tag, does Godwin even have a desire to be back on the field this season, knowing there's probably some team that will pay him in free agency next year anyways? Well, I think he definitely has a desire to get back on the field because that's how you earn your money. Um, and and from a rehab standpoint, it would seem that even if he's not ready for the start of the season at some point in September or maybe even as late as October, but probably before that, he'd, he'd be cleared to play. So you have to play if you're medically cleared. I don't think that's an option. Um, Unless you hold out from the tag and don't sign you the could hold. Well, if you don't sign the tag, then it is a holdout. And now you're losing a whole year of – accrued service there's there's too many negative things i think 
Who's the only guy that did? Did Le'Veon Bell do that one year? Le'Veon did. There's been a, there's been several that have done that. Yeah, I don't I don't think that works out well for the player. You know, uh, I mean you're you're preserving your body, I suppose, but you're also you know losing a year of, of compensation and you're a year older. I, I don't know. I, I I don't see Chris Godwin not playing football. Let me put it to you that way. What was the, what was his context of his question? Why would he signed it, or why why would he? Well, why would he play this season, knowing that if he sits out, he'll get a big deal at the end of the season from somebody else for a longer yeah. term? I mean, you're talking a one year deal for the franchise tag. Yeah. Um, why would he sit out? I I mean, players have. I, he's going to be a free agent after this year, no matter what, and I'll tell you why because. You know, there's penalties every time you franchise a player. And franchising him a second time, you had to guarantee him 120%, 20%, 120% of his salary a year ago, which was around $16 million. Now he's going to make $19.18, million, $19.2 million. The third time that you've tagged him, it's like 27 It's something so punitive you would never consider it. So, you know, basically it's trying to prevent teams from doing this multiple times or certainly more than two times. And... I think Chris knows that if he if he signs and plays under the tag, he's a free agent. The Bucks, the Bucks are not going to do it a third time. Okay, so he's a free agent either way. There's no motivation to not play, other than maybe you don't want to get hurt, but you're mm-hmm. losing nineteen point two million dollars. I mean, you're not going to get that back. So if you play, make it through the season. It may not even be your best season, but you want to put on tape that you're back. That's the other thing. Like. So you're gonna you're gonna tear your ACL, MCL, sit out a whole year. People not really know how you how you look physically. No tape of you for a year, and then they're gonna throw a pile of money at you. Maybe, I mean, maybe based on your old film, but they're gonna still want to see what you got. So, I think getting back on the field, however that happens, is only gonna increase his value, especially if he comes back um, anywhere close to a hundred percent of what he was before. I mean, this guy was you know going to set the franchise record in receptions. He ended up with like 97, 98 catches, and he missed three games. You know, um, over 1,100 yards, five touchdowns, big blocker, you know, great guy, all that stuff. So that's why the Bucks want him. I would think other teams would want him too. I don't know what the wide receiver market is in a year, but he's going to be a free agent if he doesn't sign a contract. I think for all the world, I've thought about this and I've thought about this and I've thought about this. If Chris Godwin can get anywhere close to what he thinks he's worth. And I don't know what that number is. But but if I'm sitting here rehabbing a torn ACL and I and I've got a long road back still and I'm you know according to Bruce Arians is about 45% recovered. And I've got a team that is going to take me as is and they're betting on me to rehab that thing and come back as strong as I was before. And I've just gone I it, it's been blatantly clear to me how how fragile my career is you know because some guys don't make it back from certain knee injuries and I could get hit on this thing again and that might be the end of my career so I'm trying to think to myself like what would motivate Chris Godwin to want to play on a one-year contract what would motivate him to say you know what I'll roll the dice again right like I'll roll it I'll roll it again now he has no choice if he can't come to an agreement and I don't know what the bucks are offering him but man, if you could get fifty million dollars guaranteed, thirty-five million dollars guaranteed, that's better than nineteen point two, which is all you got. And you know, you might get a four-year, eighty million dollar deal, you know, or five-year, a hundred million dollar deal, 
depending on how it's structured. And they may guarantee sixty million. I mean, sixty million sounds a lot better to me than nineteen point one or one one nineteen point two. I just think for what he's been through, there's got to be a ton of motivation on his agent's part and his part to say, "Hey, let's let's end this. Let's get my let's get my piece of the pie now." I just had ninety seven catch season. You know, I, I don't know that my numbers are going to be anywhere near that a year from now. I don't know if I'm going to play every game. You know, I may have to start the season a little late, or I might have to be, um, and there might be a mental hurdle for me. Um, you know, not knowing is 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 that's the business, right? Like you're one play, and not just in games. You're one play away in practice from never playing again. It happens all the time. So if I'm Chris Godwin, I mean, more than ever, I want a long-term deal. So I don't know how far they are apart. I know that there was a time on, you know, Tuesday when they had the 4 p.m. deadline for franchising a player. Several hours before that, Ian Rappaport said that he was going to be franchised, and the Bucks were like, no, 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 we haven't franchised anybody. We still think there's a chance. Well, if you were that close, and in the end, they probably weren't as close as, as, as maybe some people thought. But if, if you were close enough to, say, pump the brakes on the franchise tag, surely that everybody's motivated to get this done, that maybe you get it done, and ideally you get it done um, before Monday when the, when the tampering period starts or the, or the negotiating period starts for free agents. I just It makes all the sense in the world for both parties to, to, to make this a long-term deal. It helps the Bucks in terms of cap room. They can then turn and use that money to sign – Carlton Davis or Ryan Jensen, um, any number of free agents that they got out there that they need to get back. I, I just keep thinking this is going to happen. I, it, do not be surprised if Monday's podcast, we're talking about a Chris Godwin contact extension. If you go beyond that, if you go beyond certainly Wednesday when the new league year comes and that 19.2 has to count against you, then now you're, now you're affecting their ability to re-sign other players. You know, and Chris Godwin wants to play on a winning team just like Tom Brady did. Um, you can only help, you know, your, your chances of winning again, if you can get this done and, and create some salary cap room so that they can bring back some other guys. Um, so I, I think this is, it just makes too much sense to me and kind of based on the vibe I got before they franchised them, they didn't really want to have to franchise them, but it kind of felt like, yeah, we're going to do this, but we're doing it because we believe we can get a deal done before the new league year. And you don't always get that feeling. Sometimes you get the feeling like, no, he's franchised. That's it. We're done. We're not talking anymore. He's going to play for this, and that's it. We're, we're done negotiating. And that was kind of like a year ago. Um, this time it feels like, yeah, you know what? We're, we're going to do it, but we're working on a long-term deal, and we think we can get one done. So let's just wait and see. But um, why would Godwin I, – I, I mean, you're, just, you're not guaranteed anything. If this team wants to put money on the table, you know – you're not going to sit out. That's that's the one option I think is is not available to Chris Godwin. It makes no sense to sit out because you're going to be a free agent either way. Michael tweeted, Ali Marpet informed the NFL that he is retiring. Has Tom Brady done that yet, and does he plan to do so? I No, he hasn't because he's still on the roster. I mean, he's still an active player. Um, could he retire? Could he write a letter? I don't, first of all, I don't know that it's required. I'd have to look that up. Whether you have to like form, you don't have to formally retire. Maybe, uh, maybe at some point to receive benefits, there's certain paperwork that has to be done. You know, and Ali Marpet looked like he wrote it on a on a napkin. I mean, you know, it was just kind of funny the way the way he did it. It was sort of like, oh, you know, I don't know if I have to do this, but you know, at the end of it, I was wondering, I am retired. Um, for Brady's part, and he's agreeable to this. Uh, you know, essentially. 
there was no money exchanged hands. The contract, you know, the extra year, people get hung up on this extra year. They're like, well, he promised the third year. Well, let's, let's just back up a little bit. When Tom Brady came here as a free agent, he signed a two-year deal. He didn't sign a three-year deal. He signed a two-year deal. It was two years, $50 million. And then they won the Super Bowl. They did the unthinkable, right? They won the Super Bowl the first year he was here. I think he probably felt he would win it maybe the second year. They won it the first year. And then they said, let's bring the band back. How do we bring the band back? Well, we needed salary cap room. So he, as much as anything, he agreed to add an ex, another year uh, at, at $25 million or whatever so that he could lower his cap value and they could bring some more players back. It wasn't like, I am committing, I am back here, third year, let's go. Now, did I believe he was going to play it? I did because you know, I had the interview with him early in, in September and he said, I hope, I hope I'm here many years, many years. And he'd already been there one. So many would indicate more than one. And somewhere through the course of the year or by the end of the season, he decided this was it, he was done. Let's see what happens when we get to September. Um, but you know, that, that third year was, was really never, never guaranteed. And I mean, I, I still, I still want to see what happens because I, I think it's going to be Gabbert. I think it's going to be Trask and maybe Teddy or somebody like that. And I've talked to people close to Tom Brady who said, just give them three months, give any player three months because these guys don't know what retirement looks like. And so when we get to July, August, that's when we'll know. But, you know, for the time being, that's, that's where he's at. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. All right, just some breaking news on baseball as we're uh, taping this. Uh, yes. 11.30 on Thursday morning. Jeff Passan says there is an agreement on the international draft, according to a source. Well, then that should be the final hurdle, right? I mean, that was seemed like that was the big hurdle when they when they broke talks off on Wednesday. Yeah, it's it's definitely a big hurdle. And basically what it looks like he's saying is they, they're agreeing to uh, agree they'll have until July 25th to reach a deal on the draft, which would start in 2024. So basically, it's buying them time to negotiate that part of the deal. So maybe yeah, so that, maybe that will help baseball. So I think it will. I think this this might be like one of the one of the stipulations that they needed to to get this get them back. I mean, everybody wants them back on the field. And I don't know how the economics of baseball work. Maybe, maybe you can explain this, Steve. Like this, so they're regional contracts, right? For the most part, mm-hmm. um, there's also national TV contracts. But from what I understand, most of the national TV contract money comes in the postseason. Um, I could be wrong about that, but regardless, that's what, that's what most of the money's for. I mean, you know, an average Wednesday night baseball game on ESPN draws no ratings or very little. Yeah. Um, So people watch it on their, you know, their local, you know, Nesson or yes, or Bally sports Sun here in in Tampa Bay, mm -hmm. you know, that's where the teams make the money, but they don't share that money. So the Yankees regional deals are much bigger than the Rays Mm -hmm. or the Marlins Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. name your smaller market team. 
Um, right. So, you know, none of those money, the tickets aren't shared, all that stuff. Nothing, baseball, there, there is some rev sharing, but it's not the way it's done in the other sports where, you know, okay, you know, the NFL, it's pretty much all national TV deals. Your, your, your preseason games are the only local deals you have as far right. as television goes. Um, the NBA makes a ton of money off theirs, but, you know, they, they share their regional deals, monies, and I think the NHL does too. It's all, you know, not completely in a pool, but it's all shared so that teams have the same resources and then go out and, you know, to execute their roster and everything else they do about things. So baseball doesn't do that. So that's why the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Dodgers, you know, they have a distinct advantage because they're in bigger markets with more people, so their television deals are much bigger. And I'm wondering, I don't know the structure of these deals, but I'm wondering, like, how many games do you have to, you know, are they written so that it's 162 games and if you play 154, you get X less, or do they start at a certain time? You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I don't know what the penalties would be for these owners for not, for eliminating games other than what's in-house, right, in so, terms of, like, the attendance. I don't, I mean, I'm assuming every deal is a little different, but it was reported, in, and I don't know how accurate it is, but the thresholds about 25 games could be missed, and then the owners would then have to refund money to the RSNs, which is your regional sports networks. Mm-hmm. So that's why there's a thought that if, if baseball starts by May 1st, the owners don't get hurt at all. They're cool, yeah. Now, every deal could be a little different, and then how many games ESPN takes. Apple is now involved in baseball. They're taking two exclusive games every Friday night this yeah. season. They just announced NBC's going to take some games. ESPN's going to carry less games now. Uh, mm-hmm. They'll still have Sunday night baseball, but they'll carry less games during the season. NBC's going to pick up some games now on the national level. So, you know, how many games you lose as, you know, I believe in hockey. I know this one a little better. 13 games a year can be taken for national broadcast for each team. So your RSN is essentially guaranteed 69 games a year because it's an 82-game schedule. Now, you could get 72, 73, depending on your team. You know, the, the, the yeah. teams with the, you know, the, the Blackhawks, the, the Bruins, the, those teams tend to get all 13 games taken for national broadcast. The Lightning did this year. Um, but you don't have to. But you're, So the RSN is guaranteed – you know, in Tampa Bay, if you play a full season, like 69 games. So I, I, in baseball, I'm sure each contract, I'm sure they're somewhat similar in those structures because a lot of them are owned by the same people. You know, Bally's has lots of baseball contracts. Um, so they're probably similar in those regards as far as numbers of games and, you know, how that money works. But I, I don't know the details specifically. Right, right. Well, I, let's keep our fingers crossed. But by the time you hear this podcast, we have Major League Baseball in agreement of some kind. Uh, certainly by the weekend, that'd be great. And we get back into spring training and maybe uh, maybe see a little ball before it's uh, before it's all ready to go. Well, Brantley had uh, tweeted us. He said, "With the CBA potentially being resolved soon, what moves should the Rays focused on first? Trading Kevin Kiermaier, signing Freddie Freeman, bringing Tommy Pham back. What do you think?" Well, look, if you can sign Freddie Freeman, let's do that right now. Ding, 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 ding. Jeez. <laughs> I mean, really? Is that, that's, that's a no-brainer if you can make that happen. I, I, I credit them for even like being in the, in the conversation, to be honest with you. Um, I, look, I'm not going to doubt what the Rays do or how they do it because Lord knows they don't need my advice. They've, they're defending AL champions, uh, went to the World Series two years ago. I mean, and, and they have – 
two or three of the most dynamic players in the game today. Um, so, you know, I think obviously pitching is big. Starting pitching in particular, Kevin Kiermaier, if you can find somebody to take that $11 million a year or whatever it is contract, I would say absolutely. Um, seems to me like you're pretty set in the outfield. you got some versatility out there for sure. I, I love KK. I love what he does defensively. But, you know, to be the highest or one of the highest paid players on the team, I, I don't think that his value, I don't think the production is there for that. So maybe this is the year that he gets traded, but it hasn't happened yet. Um, Tommy Pham was a really good player for them. Again, I, you know, where is he playing? Um, is he a right-handed DH? Like, you know, what what's what's the plan for him? But, but yeah, uh, of of all those things you mentioned, let let's do let's do Freddie Freeman, man. <laughs> Holy cow! I, I, you talked about that lineup. How would you navigate that lineup? What would that lineup look like, Steve? I mean, well, let's see: Rosarena, Freeman, Franco. I mean, those three: Austin Meadows hitting behind them. Jeez, I mean, uh, I really like that lineup. <laughs> yeah, I like. I mean, I like it's. You know, I like. I like the top half of it for sure. Mm-hmm. And Brendan then you Lau, we didn't even put Brendan, Brendan Lau, Lau hit hit thirty nine bombs. You could throw him in there somewhere, and then you got uh, uh, the catcher um, Zanino. Yeah, Mike Zanino resigned, and he hit a he hit a ton of bombs. That'd be that'd be a very 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 potent lineup. Yeah, for sure. Now, I, I'm curious what the Rays are going to decide to do with Tyler Glass now. And the reason I say that is so he is making $6 million this year, mm-hmm. and he presumably will not pitch, although there has been some reports he could potentially be back late, late season, maybe even postseason, if they get that far. But you're paying him $6 million. Next year is his last arbitration-eligible year. He doesn't pitch this year. He's basically going to make the same salary next year. So... You're going to owe him $12 million for one year of pitching next year, and then he becomes a free agent. Do the Rays, can they re-sign him to a longer-term deal? Or do they just take the risk of $6 million this year, $6 million next year, and try to get a great season out of him in 2023? Or do they trade him now to someone who's willing to pay $12 million for that one year and be able to try to sign a long-term deal with him in the interim? I don't know what the Rays are going to do with that. Right now, knowing what you know about Tommy John surgeries, okay, mm-hmm. and knowing what you know about Tyler Glass now, would you bet that in three to four years he's still one of the top pitchers of the game or just simply can't can't wager that, can't, can't gamble on that? Well, I think some of it, I mean, look, I, I have no question he'll get back to where he was. Or I, I think he will. The question is, in, in your conversations with Tyler, does he want to stay here long term? What kind of money is he looking for? <laughs> as as much as he can get. Well, but but <laughs> you know, it, it's the whole. It's the same with Chris Godwin. I mean, yeah. You know, do you want to? Well, sign, wait, do you want to sign thing. a deal now and guarantee your long term? Well, that's that's the thing for me. I think the biggest problem is this: is like, is the player willing to bet that he's not going to mm-hmm. get hurt again? Yeah. Well, that's what you I know. Mean, players yeah. coming off injuries, like I. I always think, you know, baseball contracts are different because they're all guaranteed, right? Um, but to me, the more money you get in your hand now, who knows what the future looks like? Mm-hmm. I mean, and and sure, you know, maybe you could make more. It's You're gambling on yourself, but your health is sometimes something you can't control. And if you're coming off already a major arm situation, 
I mean, the team's taking a risk, and you're minimizing your risk if you're going to do a long-term deal while you're rehabbing from Tommy John. I just, I don't, I don't know. At least my, I'm, I'm kind of risk averse in my mind. I, I don't know that I could turn down, you know, what would be maybe fair market value or close to fair market value while I'm coming back from something, as opposed to. Hey, let me roll the dice here, make twelve million dollars, and then I'll go for the big pie down the road. I don't, because if you're the Rays and you believe he's going to be the pitcher he was, then you definitely it's in your interest to try to sign him to a long term deal. I think. Well, but like it takes two to tango. I mean, you know, is well, he sure. willing to? Absolutely. Or... And I don't know what his his thoughts mm-hmm. are about that. I mean, I, we we know he's point. spoken well of Tampa Bay and likes it here. Yeah. Um. You know, throughout this, he's had thoughts on. You know how the team has marketed itself and others, but you know he continues to say he loves it here, and you know so what's that worth to him? What's it worth for the security of signing a longer term deal now, maybe for less than you would have gotten two years from now? But you know it's the whole Wander Franco thing. I mean, he signed a long term deal, and it's a huge deal, but potentially he could have gotten a bigger deal had he waited a couple more years to hit free agency. And now he's got several years, he had, what four, five more years to go to get there. So I wonder. Do you think because they, they talk had talks with Freeman? Do you think that teams or players, I should say, do you think players look at the Rays differently than they used to? And and what I mean by that is, you know, there was always this perception, of course, rather they play at the trop and nobody sees the game, mm-hmm. nobody comes to the game, like all of that. Okay, that's we've we've done the stadium show a million times, and and they know they they need the stadium. I mean, the owner was willing to move them half the year to Montreal. Um. So that's that's still got to happen, right? I mean, that that has to happen for this franchise to stay here or to be viable. But that aside, just looking at the success of this franchise, like you know, the ability to draft and develop players, Kevin Cash's record as a manager, um, you know, the front office, the the innovations, the success that players have when they come here, all of that put together. Do you, do you think? players look differently at the Rays than they did say even 10 years ago, five years ago in terms of destinations. I mean, I mean, otherwise, I mean, Tampa is a beautiful place to live. There's no state income tax. I can go on and on. There's a lot of pluses to playing here. Yeah. I mean, I think, look, I, I think you, you look at what the Rays have done and the success they've created and how their minor leagues are still loaded at this point. They know a new stadium deal's coming. Presumably, I believe a new television deal will come before that. I believe mm-hmm. their deals, no one really knows for certain, but I, I don't think, I think they have a deal coming up soon. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you look at Wander Franco's contract, it's backloaded. Big time into once they're in a new stadium. Yeah. And Makes the revenues sense. are up. But I also think that they have a belief in their system of evaluating, drafting, and developing players that when they find the right player from skill to personality to how they're driven, et cetera, that they're willing to invest in them now, that they, they have faith in what they've done. Wander Franco or, you know, I mean, Brendan Lau, they gave a contract too early before he really had been played in the big leagues. I mean, he had a couple at-bats. That was it. But they, they saw him and they gave him a, a what, six-year deal at four or five million a year, I think it was. That's yeah. off the top of my head. And he gave up, you know, arbitration eligible years, et cetera, for some longer term security. So maybe he would have gotten more because they thought he was a really good player. So I, I think they're 
I think they, when they find the right players, they're willing to invest now because they believe in their system and, and their evaluations of these players from everything from on the field to off the field. That, you know, is when you're in a smaller market, you've, if you're going to sign those deals, you've got to make sure you hit them. You can't miss on a big deal because that really hurts you. You know, the Yankees can afford to miss on a big player. The Rays can't, or the Marlins, or smaller teams. So, but I, th- I think they believe in what they've built here, and it's it's the envy of baseball. To be honest, they believe in it, and so when they have the right guy, they'll invest and they'll 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 do a long term deal. Yeah, and I mean, listen, I mean, it's hard. It's hard if you're a player not to get caught up in, you know, um, I'm going to be a New York Yankee and I'm going to wear the pinstripes and I'm going to play at Yankee Stadium or I'm going to play at Fenway. I'm going to be in Boston, Red Sox, you know, like that. You know, so, some of these places are Chicago, you know, like some of these places are iconic sort of, you know, the L.A. Dodgers, right? Like their uh, their brand is so strong that it's still going to trump anything that the Rays can do from a branding standpoint. In fact, the Rays brand has suffered not because of what they've done on the field, but because of all the stuff away from it. Um, but at the end of the day, they still kick everybody's butt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, do you want to play in a World Series? You got a good, really good chance of doing that here. Do you want to live in a nice place? You got a really good chance of doing that here. Uh, do you want no state income? I mean, you can go on and on, but, um, you know, and we've seen players wilt under some of those, you know, bright lights of, mm-hmm. of uh, Boston. I mean, think of Carl Crawford and guys like that. Doesn't always work out when you're up there either. So, I don't know what Tyler Glass now is thinking. I just think that the more the Rays win, um, if they ever get this stadium thing behind them, um, watch out because if this team has money to compete for free agents and things, I think you'll see a lot of players want to come here. I know they do in football. And even when the Bucks weren't winning, uh, you know, in football, free agency is a little different. It's just that they'll take the next dollar, right? Because, I mean, you know, you have salary cap and you have, you know, competitive balance in terms of draft picks and everything else, right? So there's a lot more parity. There's not, there's not a whole lot of difference necessarily in in one franchise over another, unless you want to play for the Dallas Cowboys and the brand of, of you know certain teams. Um, but I do know that people love players love playing here, and the ones that have played here, even when they go somewhere else, they live here. You know, Jameis Winston still has a house in Oldsmar. I mean, guys guys make their homes down here. So I I would think that at some point baseball would feel the same way. I'm sure. And again, you, you talk about the success of a franchise, right? And it's it's a chicken and the egg. When you win Stanley Cups, obviously everybody loves a winner. But how much you would know this, Steve? How much do players like playing in Tampa Bay? And maybe it's a little different because I mean, hockey. You know, it's freezing in Canada right half mm-hmm. the year. But, but I think I think players love playing here. I think there's look. I mean, they love the the water, the the community, the the yeah. weather. Yeah, I think they like the anonymity of things. Yes. You know, yes. players here aren't as, you know, they can go out and they're not as, I don't want to say bothered by fans. Mobbed, but, yeah. But mobbed. They walk I mean, down the street, yeah. yeah they, they can, they're not, it's not as, you know, for, and I'll, I'll take hockey for instance, but if Steven Stamkos played in Toronto, him trying to go out and get a cup of coffee in Toronto would be hard for him. He can go do that here. I mean, and some fans will say hi or no one, but it, it's it's just a different, different level of how many fans would be there trying to say hi, get an autograph, whatever it is. Um, and yeah. the players do appreciate that and enjoy that. They love the no state income tax. Absolutely. Um, you know, if, you, if you're, you know, in hockey, you know, during the season, the weather's beautiful here. 
In mm-hmm. baseball, you can just can live here year round because you're off season. You want to be here in the winter. It's beautiful, yeah, in the winter. You know, yeah. So it, there's a lot of advantage to that too, not having to go somewhere else to live mm-hmm. part of the year. You know, and, and rent here, you can live here full time and love it. So yeah, uh, I mean, speaking for a native, I don't know where else you'd want to live. That's that's much better, but um, certainly that's that's going to uh, that's going to help them. All right, thanks for your questions again. I hope we uh, cleared up some of that stuff for you. We've got a busy weekend. Of course, the Lightning have back-to-back games on Saturday and Sunday there at Edmonton and then Vancouver as their road trip continues. I'll be at the SEC basketball tournament. We'll see how that winds out for me. Uh, I haven't done basketball a little bit, but it's fun. Uh, And then the free agent signing period, actually the uh, negotiating period, I should say, begins on Monday. Check out the Tampa Bay Times and TampaBay.com for sort of a preview of all of that. The uh, new league year begins Wednesday at 4 o'clock. That's when teams can actually sign off or sign deals with other teams or their own. And we'll see if uh, Chris Godwin ends up with a contract extension, if there's any other deals that the Bucks are able to make with their own free agents. So lots to talk about on Monday. Join us then for Steve Burstink. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great weekend, everybody. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.,